BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. My name is Mark Ellis, and this is one of our After Dark episodes, which means we're going to talk about movies, especially on this particular episode of the program, but that conversation could extend to sprawling recaps of our personal lives. How are our dogs doing? Who are we dating way back in 1998? Why that year? Well, because this year is actually the 25th anniversary of Rotten Tomatoes. So we may say the tomato meter is wrong from time to time on this show, but we love being here at Rotten Tomatoes celebrating his 25th birthday this year. The actual birthday of Rotten Tomatoes is, I believe, August 18th, I want to say. And so we're going to get into the history of Rotten Tomatoes, but I can't do this show alone. And in the stead of Jacqueline Coley, who is still at home recovering from just covering award season, which is a a long and arduous task. So she's chilling and relaxing while we have Clark Wolf and Winston A. Marshall back in studio. It was a fantastic chat that the three of us had last week about Keanu Reeves movies and some which we think unfairly maligned films of Keanu Reeves that were rotten on the tomato meter. Not according to us. Talk knock knock, the replacements, hardball. And so now we're just here for an after dark episode talking about the Rotten Tomatoes 25th anniversary. Uh, Winston, you know from the Capes and Cows weekly show. You also know him as a comedian and actor. You've seen him pop up in a bunch of TV shows, commercials. Always great to have Winston back. And Clark Wolf, who made a sterling debut so good last week, we brought you back. And also very exciting because you have a short film coming out called A Shining Example, but also. Tomorrow in theaters nationwide, you can catch your new movie, Malum, is in theaters across the country. I'm so excited. I And please go see it in the theater because it is, it's only going to be in the theaters. It's not going to be on VOD or Blu-ray. And it's a horror movie. It's, it's fun to see movie. those in theaters. It's oh, the effects. It's practical effects. The Russells, who did the new uh, Hellraiser movie, um, and among other things, did our practical effects, and they are awesome. Can you just, like, send me, like, a 4K Blu-ray? Because, like, <laughs> I'm not trying to be up in the, in the back of the day. Oh, Lord, no, Jesus. I, I, <laughs> I, if I may, this is, I think this will interest your audience since it is a an After Dark episode. So uh, around Christmas time, my family tries to find alternative Christmas movies, you know, to, to watch. Okay. And, you know, there is a tradition and it's in the Christmas Carol, you know, like uh, there'll be scary ghost stories and, you know, like ghost stories. Yeah. So, um, and tellings of the glories along. Yeah, I mean, it's, right? a, it's a ghost story. <laughs> it, Charles Dickens classic is a ghost story. Yes, it used to be a tradition, a Christmas tradition. So I suggested The Conjuring 2. Um, 
um, which is a Christmas movie. It takes place at Christmas. I, uh, this is why I love Clark, because <laughs> she does not mess around. She's well, not like, let's just dip our toe in here. She's like, let me just rip your Christmas-loving heart out oh with God. the nun, Valak, in The Conjuring 2. My God, you're going for blood. There are trees, Christmas trees, and Christmas carols, and anyway, so... <laughs> oh, and, thank you, Clark. And, That's going to make it so much easier for Winston, <laughs> so, who hates a horror movie. So I convinced my parents, they're like, okay, great idea. It's like, there's no sex, there's no there's no language, there's no any of that. That's fair. And, yeah. and so we want my dad, who used to play football for the University of Georgia, mm-hmm. and wow. went on to play professionally in the CFL, a, a large man, yes, a, yes, uh, we got maybe 20 minutes into The Conjuring <laughs> and he was he was literally jumping out of his chair and he was like I'm so, I, I'm I'm really sorry everyone but I I can't I can't I cannot watch this man after my own heart so I t- I DM'd. he lasted longer than you did to The Conjuring <laughs> yeah. I didn't even see them I knew better I was like future daughter be like daddy let's watch The Conjuring too why don't you go to your room I'm not absolutely not <laughs> so the funny part of the story is I DM James Wan and I told him this story. And he wrote me back and he was like, first of all, he was like, that's amazing. But second of all, he said, it's always the it's always the tough guys. Jason Statham told me the exact same oh, thing. Yeah? He was like, I cannot watch your movies. They're, they're too scary for me. And, he, and I was like, well, my dad's in good company. But yes, so the big tough guys, big action guys being like, no, James Wan. No, I, I cannot do Clark's dad it. and Jason Statham I mean, running towards trouble unless that trouble <laughs> is an undead nun, perhaps. And then you get it. I mean, if celebrate your holidays how you want to celebrate your holidays. Your birthdays, I really don't celebrate my birthday that much. I'm not, I actually love getting older, I embrace the process of sitting in a rocking chair and yelling at kids, but I don't do a lot for my birthday. Are you a big birthday party person, Clark? I used to be before COVID. Okay. COVID kind of broke me mm. with birthdays. Mm. I, uh, I My birthday is in a couple of weeks, and oh, I have made no... Birthday. Thank you. And I'm thinking, actually, that this, this weekend, uh, I might take some friends to go see Malum. That might be like my birthday that's, celebration. That's a good play because it's you're, close enough. Yeah, you know? it's your birthday. It's allowed to be about you, but it's—I yeah. mean—it's a great film, and you happen to be one of the stars of exactly. it. So, uh, Winston, do you take people to see your new movie in theaters on your birthday? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And if I don't have a new one, I'm like, we're gonna watch that episode of that show that's I did right. like a couple years ago. This is gonna be fun. We did something for your birthday last year, right? Yes. Was there um, a, a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So I, we I went to a bar. It was a very nice bar setup you had there. So what I what I did, I'm 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 big into themes. Um, and so 35, I was having trouble figuring out what Life. theme I wanted to do. Oh, okay. So what I ended up doing is I ended up recreating or attempting to recreate all 34 previous birthdays as birthday number 35. And then when that got too ambitious, I changed it to there was childhood, like kind of adolescence slash 20s, and then like adulthood. And so like the first half was like laser tag and mini golf and like since there's no arcade, we went Dave and Buster's and then we transitioned into like the teen college years. So we had like a house party with beer pong and all that stuff. And then like the adult one is like, you go to a nice bar, you maybe have a couple shots here and there, but you kind of keep it classy and then you go home and pass out. And so I, 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 love I, I saw him at the bar and, and I didn't realize he was doing like a whole Richard Linklater look back at my <laughs> life kind of thing. But I was surprised you were still standing because I knew that beer pong was early in the day. Yeah. And unfortunately, I you all know I love playing beer pong. I'm pretty this. damn good at it. But I I was surprised that you were still upright because you had all that partying, but you still yeah. seem pretty lucid and like able to celebrate your birthday competently. It was because since I really took the childhood thing to heart, I didn't drink 
at all in the beginning until we got to Dave and Buster's. And even then, it was like a drink. Oh, did you have juice boxes? No, <laughs> oh, a Capri Sun for Winston's birthday. Sunny D and Capri Sun, baby. Yes! It was amazing. Purple um, stuff. <laughs> Give it to me. Absolutely. Uh, but but once we got to the house party, it was, it was no holds barred. I think it's just, I had mentally prepared all day Make sure you're eating, drinking a lot of water, take your vitamins because this is like a marathon. Yes, um, not a sprint. Yes, so that that's the only reason you saw me in like any sort of like normal condition. I love that because like <laughs> if you're in college and like you, you you're that age or you're mid twenties and like you have that idea to do like a birthday party where it's going to celebrate like what Rotten Tomatoes is probably going through right now with turning twenty five. Hey, congrats! You can now rent a car by yourself. Hmm. But you're thinking like, oh, I can do this whole look back at my life. You're not mature enough to do that yet and handle it like Winston did because that's a 35-year-old man studying this and being like, Indeed. okay, I need to pace myself. Back in our 20s, we didn't really pace ourselves all that nope. much, or at least we weren't all that good at pulling it off. And so Rotten Tomatoes, one of the things they're doing to celebrate their birthday, which is going to be a year-long celebration, is releasing this new card game that is so much fun to play. And you can play in a variety of different ways. You can involve the tomato meter, the audience score. Our hand model, Winston, is showing you exactly how it works. Ooh. Reminded me of, I think, an all-time great card game that should be played in Vegas, Uno. Oh, yeah. Because there's wild cards. So you got a couple <laughs> wild cards uh-huh. that it's, and, and you can give hints as to the movie, whoever gets the movie first. If your family around the holidays isn't into watching horror movies, then you can play the Rotten Tomatoes card game all the year round. We are not going to let this go for the rest of the show. No, no we're Clark not. And her torture and her poor dad. We're not. I guess I'm never meeting Clark's family. If this is, if this is what they do for family time. Which is going to be outside caroling. That's yeah. as close as he yeah. gets to the house. <laughs> it's pretty, like, it's literally be walking by my family. Oh, don't go over there. That's crazy white people. <laughs> they, 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 they got somebody possessed in that house. We don't keep walking. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to the the founder, the creator of Rotten Tomatoes, I should say. So Rotten Tomatoes was launched in effect on August 18th hmm. by Sen Duong, who was a fan of Jackie Chan movies primarily. And so it's like, how can I get this comprehensive list of Jackie Chan films as they're coming out in the United States? Because after Rumble in the Bronx, there was like sort of a, a I guess, Western reunited interest in Jackie Chan, who was a you know superstar overseas forever. And so now you had this collection and the first movie that was going to be on Rotten Tomatoes was going to be... The greatest movie of all time. Rush Hour. The greatest movie of all time. But Rush Hour's release date got delayed. It no. still became a big hit in September. And so the first movie that ended up being on Rotten Tomatoes that was not affiliated with Jackie Chan was Your Friends and Neighbors. So not quite the hit that Rush Hour became. Never but even heard of it. Yeah, I, I think we can give <laughs> Rush Hour credit for being one of the inspirations along with Jackie Chan. So thank you so much to uh, Sen Duong for creating this thing that we all know and love and celebrate and kind of use as a guideline. I call it the scoreboard for movies where if you're looking at the tomato meter, it may not necessarily reflect your opinions. And we have this mm. whole podcast dedicated to when we think the tomato meter is right and wrong, but it's just a nice barometer. And now we have the verified audience and score to kind of gauge, oh, okay, I agree more with the audience on this one, with the critics on this one. So let's start this conversation off by going back to 1998 when Sen was just creating Rotten Tomatoes. It was a twinkle in his eye. Where was Winston Marshall in 1998? What were you doing? What were your dreams? What were your ambitions? Well, my parents were getting divorced. Uh, that's Good a, that's memory. A, that's How about you, Clark? <laughs> wow. Wow, Mark. Wow. Good choice. Good, good choice. Pull the parachute. <laughs> So 98, well, I mean, look, you talk about a formative year in somebody's existence. But, well, and this is what's so funny is I think, I mean, that may have just gotten really personal all of a sudden, but I, from the standpoint of 
I felt like all of a sudden I saw every movie because of that. There was this weird thing where like either with my friends or my aunts and uncles, I was just at the movies all the time. That that escapism. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you talk about, you mentioned earlier off camera, everybody loves to talk about 99 and what 99 was for movies. 98 had bangers. Like, yeah. Oh, we already talked about the greatest movie of all time, Rush Hour, which just <laughs> chef's kiss. But just some of the highlights, because I want other people to be able to chime in on this. Y'all should have seen Winston right before we went oh, to air. He was circling seriously. movies. Oh he was oh starring stuff. He's got a ranking system. Give us some of your, your, your favorites from 98. First of all, 98, I would have been about to turn 11. Um, so I'm about 10 years old. Pokemon, the first movie came out. Don't act like that didn't come through when every child was out here in these streets. Just like, this is incredible. Catch but them all. You, but you had, he got game. Uh, the Truman Show, Mulan, The Mask of Zorro, The Parent Trap, Ants, The Water Boy, Enemy of the State of Bugs Life, You Got Mail, Small Soldiers, and a personal rom-com favorite, Six Days and Seven Nights. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Wow. The Harrison Ford and Anne Heche classic to some, including you. Yes, sir. I didn't know you were that, but what, what is it about Six Days, Seven Nights that uh, just spoke to your soul? The same thing that I guess Air Force One did. What? Han Solo <laughs> in like a, in like on a tropical <laughs> island with a hot lady? Okay, I'll watch it. Like, I just... I mean, he doesn't do a bad job of selling that movie, Clark. I mean, w w when you look back on your 1998, it doesn't have to be as dramatic as Winston's, but where <laughs> were you in your, in your sort of uh, relationship with movies, in, in your life, where were you living, all that good stuff? I was definitely a a nerdy middle schooler mm -hmm. who loved movies who definitely had a subscription to entertainment weekly uh and who was uh you know i grew up in a suburb of atlanta so i was certainly at the mall in the movies every weekend um my dad took me to a lot of a lot of movies every weekend and um you know, I think that this is like the formative. It's funny, like we all play in a, played in a movie trivia league for a long time. And these are the movies that like really sunk in <laughs> yeah. uh, and and stuck um, because I think they did come out for me, at least during those formative those formative years. Yeah. And, and uh, to Clark's point, if you watch the first season of the movie Trivia Schmodown in particular, when I was writing a lot of the questions, most of them are about the list of movies that Winston just <laughs> rattled off. I mean, I'll say I, I knew 90 as an interesting year in the movies for a couple reasons for me. So I was writing my college application essays and thinking like, I'm not getting into Notre Dame, but let's take a shot. I'm probably going to end up at, you know, some East Coast school, maybe something in the ACC, maybe Virginia Tech of Florida State, maybe a Wake Forest. We'll see if I become a demon <laughs> deacon like my father before me. But in the midst of all that, you also had these movies that were mirroring each other. Like you said, mm -hmm. we had Ants and a Bug's Life. We had Deep Impact and Armageddon. So it's like these similar themes kind of coming through. The big movie that I think of every time I think of 1998, and I'm not saying it's the best movie from 98 because it certainly isn't, pretty good version of Kashmir, is Godzilla. I because in Williamsburg, Virginia, where we had a movie theater that I worked at for a couple summers, it was not the best movie theater to go see a flick at. Hampton, Virginia, had just, which is a couple towns over, had just opened their AMC. I think it was a tw AMC 24. And it's like, oh, this is going to be, this is the biggest thing. And it opened the weekend of Godzilla. Wow. That whole week in school, I, me and my friend, we were just not shut about how excited we were for Godzilla. We went to go see it Thursday night, like the first show we possibly could. I fell asleep. <gasps> I fell asleep in Godzilla opening how? night. 
How? Because it's so bad and boring. No, it's, it's not. It's terrible. I, as a child, I loved it. Really? There was a mutant lizard and its little babies all over New York. What are you talking about? And on top of that, you had Professor Fink, Professor Fink. He makes you laugh. He makes you think. Running the camera the entire time. Oh, my like, good Lord. We you... saw a different movie with all the velociraptors <laughs> running around Madison Square Garden. Like That movie is such a misfire. And I think maybe I was just too excited and baby needed a nap at some point. Y'all mm. know me pretty well. You know I need my daily naps. I didn't get a nap that week and so i was really excited we go to the we, you know we go to class go to the movie theater before the the movie started they had one of the employees come out front and do godzilla trivia so this is one of the formations oh, of my movie whoa. trivia career they asked the easy question i think first was like what city does is godzilla famous for stomping in japan and like some guy won a t-shirt for saying tokyo and i'm like you know what i'm gonna hold out for the hard question he's like what's what perry mason star was in godzilla 1985 and i ripped my hand shot up they called me. I was like, Raymond Burr got the T-shirt, wow. impressed the theater full of on go onlookers, and, and uh, hence the movie trivia showdown was born. The, yeah. the movie, <laughs> <laughs> the the kernel was planted in the microwave I, for it to pop. Some. I will say two very two questions about the 1998 Godzilla does sound like the movie trivia showdown. To me. <laughs> it I really, mean. it really does. It was the precursor to it, that movie theater trivia. But so that that's the movie that I sort of think of when I think of 1998, and it was also a big, interesting year at the Oscars because. You had Saving Private Ryan, which I think a lot of people thought was going to win Best Picture at the ensuing 99 Oscars, and it was Shakespeare in Love that yep. took that title. So a lot of cool stuff happening in 1998. The ceremony of the Oscars that was held in 98 was hosted by the legendary Billy Crystal, mm. and that is where Titanic took home 11 statues, the 1997 release. So mm -hmm. a lot of cool stuff going on in the world of movies, but then we also look at these movies that we see from 1998, if you had to pick a movie from our list or from something else, Clark, what is the movie that you think maybe still stands up to the test of time the best? Oh, wow. Well, that's a really hard question. Oh, my gosh. For Winston, we know he's going to say Rush Hour, regardless of whether he thinks it's true. Pretty much. <laughs> I don't, I, I, yikes. I don't know what stands the test of time, because some of these, I would argue, absolutely do not. Um, but, you know, the, the one that's jumping out at me as kind of one of the last of its kind is The Mask of Zorro. Mm. Um, just a really, like, a big-budget, practical stunts adventure that is perfectly cast with a really wonderful love story and uh, stakes and uh, chemistry between its leads. It's got that loose, swashbuckling kind of yeah. nature to it. I just feel like we don't sincerely or earnestly make movies like that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, this is one that for me has has stayed wonderful. And just watching all the horses and the stunts and the sword fighting and Antonio Banderas is so good. That's the first time I remember seeing Catherine Zeta-Jones and being like, wow, mm -hmm. she's a star. Um, so um, is that the best of all? I mean, yeah, I don't know, but... Um, That's a good point, though, is like you really don't see a lot of movies like The Mask of Zorro anymore. No. The closest one that I think I've seen is probably an animated film, which would be The Adventures of Tintin, kind of reminded sure. me of like that, like your Indiana Joneses. So Another Steven, Steven Spielberg did produce The Mask of Zorro, so maybe... There you, know, you, go. There you go. The connective tissue. <laughs> As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
I mean, I, it's, it's so funny that because also in 1998, Google was this thing that happened. And speaking of Google, I Googled movies from 1998. Do you know what came up? What came up? Do you know what came up? First know. movie that comes up, three movies, uh, Blade from 1998, I mean, which, which I will talk about in a minute for why sure, Blade sure. is such an important movie. The next movie, I believe it's called A Very Unlucky Leprechaun. <laughs> yeah, that's the next movie that Google told me came out in 1998. I don't even know if it's on the tomato meter, if critics saw it, if audiences saw it. A Very Unlucky Leprechaun, it stars Tim Matheson as like the dad, and then there's this leprechaun. It is not in the leprechaun horror franchise. However, guess who plays this Very Unlucky Leprechaun? No. Warwick freaking Davis. What? You cannot keep that guy from playing a leprechaun, <laughs> even if it's not in his franchise, Leprechaun, the horror movies. I believe this is like a nice, lighthearted uh, dramedy. Everything that you just said sounds like Mad Libs to me. Honestly. Like <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Very, we need an adjective Tim for this leprechaun. Madison, an unlucky leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> Warwick Davis, 1998. What? Oh, I, God. And speaking oh. of the 90s, Mad Libs. How great were Mad Libs the back in the day? Pretty, pretty yeah. Awesome. yeah. So the other movie that came out was was Major League uh, Back to the Minors. And I'm oh, like, that's sure. the movie from 98? I guarantee you that this is because that is not the three movies that came up for me. Oh, okay. So this is very oh, our much Google a, searches. Our Google searches have, have, have modified. So for me. We've parted ways in the metaverse. So you went top picks for you or you went just popular 90s? 1998 movies. I typed in movies from 1998. Okay, I did you too. go and I'll tell you what I Googled. <laughs> so the three that it gave me, one that makes us, the first one, The Avengers, which I loved that movie. Oh my gosh. That Uma Thurman, oh, uh, yeah. what is that, Sean, not Sean Connery. Uh, well, Sean Connery's yeah, the bad guy. he's the bad guy. Who's and the, uh, Ray Fiennes. Thank you. Ray Fiennes, yeah. Uma Thurman, Sean Connery, Blade, obviously, and then Riddler's Moon. I have no idea what that is. I have never heard of that. Riddler's before. Moon. Well, you the do a show to called an unlucky Capes and Cows. <laughs> but so maybe even... Riddler's Moon is like if nah, they're son. thinking, "Oh, this guy loves Batman villains. Let's give him a Riddler movie, even if that's that, not the Riddler." That might—that's pretty much probably what happened in Indiana. A single mother lives with her disabled soon. Uh, with oh, they meant to say son. They wrote disabled soon with her disabled soon on a barren farm until a supernatural growth spurt. A Reinvigorates the fields. The sequel to the unlucky leprechaun. Just, I mean, we're really building a universe. Yeah. We really are. And now let, let's add Clark's three movies that Google, again, created in 1998. Well, you know, of course, what I Googled was not just best movies of 98 or movies from 1998. I had to Google horror movies from 1998. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, you did. And so I found, uh, yes, Blade Blade came up as well. Uh, but I, and H2O, which is on Loves here. Loves that movie. Love H2O. I, love so I very much enjoy H2O. Happy Halloween, mother. <laughs> 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 but the two that I was like, oh, yeah, was Robert Rodriguez, The Faculty, oh. which is Kevin Williamson uh, doing Invasion of the Body oh, yeah. Snatchers, which is a really, it has some unsavory words in it, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, uh, overall holds up. Um, a really fun, like fun uh, alien invasion movie and um, Practical Magic. Which oh. is truly uh, not nostalgically, because I did not see it in 1998. One of my uh, favorite. Sandra Bullock is my my queen, and that is one of my favorite Sandy B movies. Right, and you had that come out around the same time as The Craft, and like I think a lot of people mm -hmm. who now talk about what planets are in retrograde and how the universe is shaping their future. It might have come from Practical Magics and the Crafts of the World. Sure. So you know, hey, everybody needs something to believe in. I'm not I saying I believe in that stuff, but I don't not believe in it. I don't know, you know, practical magic and the craft having an influence on a person. That doesn't sound like me. Uh, right? I just, does that sound like me? Not really. Uh, a little bit. 
Well, the movie that influenced, I think, uh, maybe doesn't get its due still, even though everybody celebrates Blade because it's a cool uh, franchise and Wesley Snipes is great as the character. But Blade doesn't get the credit that I think it deserves simply because it came out in 1998, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next year we had X-Men. Mm-hmm. And then we get into the Spider-Man trilogy. X-Men was 99. I thought it was 2000. X-Men was right on the border 99 and 2000. That's why we have Brian as a producer here. Okay. I think That's it's, I'm going to so go, good. I think it's 2000. I think it's 2000. I, th- I, I feel like it, I remember anchoring that specifically. I remember I was... reading about X-Men in Cinescape magazine. In, 19, in 1999. So no. that's what I'm giving that a credit for. Right. It might have been a little too crowded of a year 99 <laughs> because we did have The Matrix, as we talked about last week a little bit. We also had The Phantom Menace and The Blair Witch Project. And this is really just me showing off that I do know movies that were released in 1999 because <laughs> I do have the sinking feeling that X-Men was it, in the year 2000. July 2000. July 2000. Ooh. Meaning we maybe got right a teaser trailer. Right in my, on that border yeah. in July. Thank you. When I was busy not celebrating my birthday, <laughs> which happens to be July 7th, if anybody would like to not celebrate with me. But I mean, I, I think Blade it does deserve uh, the lion's share. Maybe not the lion's share because it wasn't the biggest movie. I, I would give those to the Spider-Man trilogies, but... You know, you, you you had comic book movies come out. You had Superman come out in 78, and you had mm-hmm. Batman in 89, and every once in a while you'd have a, either a sequel to a Batman or a Mystery Man or something pop up. But then you get Blade, and it's like, we could really do something with this. It yeah. became a franchise. You get X-Men two years later, we could really do something. It became a gigantic franchise. Spider-Man, now we have the MCU, uh, DC retooling again, but a lot of promise on the horizon. So that really was launched in earnest in the late 90s. No, absolutely. I... I, I... Blade is the movie, like you said, doesn't get the credit, but it's the movie that sailed a thousand ships. If you're, if we're being honest, obviously X Men was already in production at that point, but I think seeing what can be done with Blade, and maybe even getting a little, a few tweaks out of, because uh, you know Spider Man would have been in that production around when X Men drops, but you see both of those and right. what they're doing, and you see Raimi kind of adapt, uh, you know, some of that into the 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 lifeblood of his film. And then you get one of the greater trilogies of like life. And I've always thought know. Sam Raimi was such a great director at doing that thing, Clark, where he can sort of, he definitely has his own vision, his way that he wants to make a movie. But he also does, even if you look at the Evil Deads and what was happening around horror and filmmaking at that time, he does seem to have his pulse on the public consciousness mm-hmm. and the appetite of the public. And so I agree with Winston where Raimi's probably looking at the Blades and the X-Men's of the world and being like, okay, th- this is some stuff that we can incorporate into how we're going to tell the Spider-Man story. I was also going to point out too with Blade, uh, rated R. I mean, yeah. you know, that's, that's especially at the time. If you're making a rated R movie, it's not like, uh, it's not like something like Deadpool now where you're like, no, 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 people will show up, right? Like that's a risk. People really took that rating system very seriously, especially in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And so that was a, that was a big bet, uh, on their part. And, and of course, you know, Blade went on to have multiple sequels and hopefully we'll get another one from them. See you soon. This holiday, can we get a camera in Clark's living room back at the ranch in Atlanta and just have it on your dad during the rave scene in Blade when the blood starts coming out everywhere? Let's just see how the bulldog Clark Wolf's dad reacts to that. I just don't, I, I, it's funny because I even went, came about telling that story because I'm in this horror movie and I've just told my dad, it's okay. You, you you don't have to watch David Winston can be in the lobby eating popcorn. Just buy a ticket and then... You're all good. No, no, no. 
don't. I'm a go. You're going. But don't take me to the one you want all your friends and family to see because I will the whole time. Oh, hell no. Hell no. No, 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 no. The whole movie. Well, I so we, we talked a little bit about where comic book movies were and really as we know them now in their infancy back in 98. What was the state of horror movies as you were sort of matriculating in your love for horror in the 90s, Clark? Because around this time, you had your screams, you had your I Know What You Did Last Summer. So kind of walking that line of Paying homage to the slashers of the of of your, but also looking through the the lens of like getting into the movie and sort of winking and nodding and a lot of comedy in horror yes. movies in the late nineties. Well, that's the thing. So so really, the nineties is a weird time for horror because people are just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. You have prestige movies like Interview with the Vampire, which is argued like this huge literary adaptation, but also with big movie stars taking it seriously. But then you have weird movies like Mimic and like, you know, it's, it's just it's like, and vampires. Vampires are popping up all over the place, not just in, like before right. Blade. Um, and, and, and as I mentioned, with a with an interview, but anyway, Scream comes along and changes everything. So Scream comes out Christmas. Christmas, do you hear me? That's why we watch <laughs> horror movies at Christmas. Christmas ninety seven. The Exorcist famously comes out at Christmas as well. But uh, God, what a, Merry Christmas! The banner year for the Ellis family. That movie still haunts my. Whatever dreams. happened to Christmas Vacation? A nice wholesome. I hate my boss movie. Like what? Um, so so. But Brian, can you can you look up a Christmas movie that came out in nineteen ninety eight just to make Winston happy? Yeah, right. Uh, so Scream comes out in uh, December nineteen. 96 changes 96 ev- right yeah, yeah changes yeah. everything because Scream 2 kind of famously comes out less than a year later mm-hmm. uh, kind of like they did just now right. with Scream 5 and 6 and, so, and last summer in between those exa- two yes so now now slasher movies have really had a resurgence but to your point you know the idea of this uh, slasher movies that are winking at the audience that are treating the audience as though they are intelligent they know the tropes right. and so that's where you get in 1998 something like The Faculty where you know, again, Kevin Williamson, uh, it's a slasher type of alien movie, right? Mm. It's a body count movie, but it is very much, I mean, it's 100% uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And Robert Rodriguez directing something like The Faculty, uh, he directed the stab segments in the Scream mm-hmm. movies. Mm. And so uh, so anyway, this is his, like, he's getting to play in this Kevin Williamson sandbox. Yeah. Wow. I, I just, because that's not something that I would have known for obvious reasons. So it's it's nice to like kind of hear the history of where that's going because the, obviously Scream in 96, but in my mind, the the biggest horror movie of the 90s being Blair Witch a year later. Yeah. Um, to like wrap out the decade, you know? And so different from what was popular at that mm-hmm. time, uh, you know, in the in the slasher space. I was just looking down here, Halloween H20, 1998. That's also Kevin Williamson. Uh, this is also the Miramax. This is the Weinsteins, you know? Right. And so that is also something like, that's Scream, that's uh, the, uh, Mimic, the faculty. I think, right. yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, so the, the Weinsteins are all in on slashers. Miramax and uh, is is all in on this on this subgenre. But yeah, Kevin has two, two slasher movies come out that year. But you see these films and and so as far as comic book movies it's like they're just starting to get, to get their feet but yeah. it's a Clark's point in the 90s man horror franchises were running on fumes because you had like Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers limping into that decade and just trying name brand value opening weekend hoping to muster something and it was getting ridiculous with how many sequels we had. 
you had to do something different. So you could either lean into the meta, which even before Scream did, was Wes Craven's new nightmare yes. mm-hmm. in the mid-90s. But then you also have Halloween H2O, which is like, hey, we're just going to kind of, let's just try to tell this story based off of a previous movie. So you sort of had that requel yes. uh, before we even had the term that was popularized in a later Scream movie. You, you do also understand, realizing we're not getting enough black people to go see this. So here's Busta <laughs> Rhymes to just see if we could, because real talk, I only saw that movie because all my cousins were like, yo, Bust in a movie, and I was mm-hmm. like, I and I will never forget him. The the water from because there's a fire going on. Happy Halloween, mother! And oh, like no. just the, otherwise, I would have had nothing to do with <laughs> okay, that. Movie. Wait, I've got to do a little visual gag here, just a second. <laughs> okay, ready. <laughs> The sunglasses, the glasses are coming out. Well, actually, um, Buster Rhymes was in Halloween Resurrection, which comes later. It's actually oh, no. LL Cool J. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh no! Actually, <laughs> you well actually, Winston. She's right though. She's right. Oh my God! Well, you're both right in terms of Halloween H two. Those two Halloween movies being they made by said <laughs> respective hip hop artist LL Cool J, and the fact that LL Cool J. But we talked about this movie already. Halloween. H2O on the podcast, so I don't think it's that big of a spoiler for our listeners, uh, survives the movie. Yeah. LL Cool J survives the movie. You cannot understand how big that was for a black guy to survive a horror movie. So so Scream 2 came out Seven. So I, I wonder if that was any sort of reshoot because <laughs> the amount of dragging that Hollywood got for right. killing Omar and Jada yeah. in two seconds. Yep. You're like, Jada's in the movie. Oh, Jada, come on now. And insta-kill. I guarantee you there must have been some sort of rewrite in here where they were like, we, we, okay, LL needs to live. We can't. Because when did Deep Blue Sea come out? I was just about to say the next year, in 1999, okay. is Deep Blue Sea. Thank yeah. you both for acknowledging our expert Blue. researcher. Like, Mark Mark Hoffmeier loves I Deep Blue Sea so much. He it's does so a podcast good. on Deep Blue Sea. It's he does so a weekly podcast on Deep Blue Sea. Stop. How? You should both be on it. I would he love would to. He would love to have you. But also... How do you not run out of things to talk about? I'm sure he'd love to have you to talk about Buster Rhymes. I mean, LL Cool J you know in that movie. <laughs> oh, no. You know Look what, what I've done. It was right Look there. I, I was right there. Take the shot. Oh, no. I'm a comedian. I'm on stage, but I don't take that shot. Coach pulls me out of the game. That's fair. You but I'll also say, 98, in terms of comedy, was a year that I think we oh, we, yeah. we had some high watermarks, but there's something about Mary. Um, because that was sort of Apex Fairly Brothers, where everything that they liked doing worked. Mm-hmm. in There's Something About Mary, where you had some spoof humor, you had some genuine like rom-com touchy-feely stuff that I thought was really well uh, well executed. You also had gross-out humor that hit just the right spots, and I think that from There's Something About Mary, it's sort of like how I say how great Van Halen is, but it inspired a lot of copy hair metal bands that yeah. weren't as soulful. You, you, you could say the same thing about comedies after There's Something About Mary, yes. where they see Ben Stiller get his balls caught in a zipper, and it's like, oh, we need to do that the whole movie. It's and, like, no, nah, no, 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 you don't need to. And like jizz on the forehead. I, it's funny you mentioned uh, yep. all uh, something about Mary, and you earlier asked, what of these movies stood the test of time? Okay. You know what could never be made today? <laughs> There's something about Mary, the water boy, rush hour. You're touching on a bunch of different topics where if you even broach the idea of of like this is a rush hour two quote, but like I'll I'll slap you back to the Ming Dynasty, you could never say something like that <laughs> it, nowadays. You know what I mean? You you can't have the the sperm on the head and the balls on the zip. Like none of that is a thing you could do anymore. But this is some of the peak slapstick 
kind of offensive comedy that like you know shaped an entire generation and just you know? one of the hardest laughs i've ever had in a theater was there something about mary and uh, to pick up clark's point earlier of showing your family movies and wondering what the result's going to be <laughs> i distinctly remember a thanksgiving when both sets of grandparents came to visit us in virginia that was sort of the midway point so we had a bunch of family time for thanksgiving I was in the other room playing Scrabble with my two grandmas and my mom. And then everybody else was in the living room watching There's Something About Mary on TV. And I was kind of curious to see how Pop-Pop, my grandpa, would react to it. We heard a noise. And I thought Pop-Pop was having a stroke. I thought he was, I thought he was leaving his body that night. He was just laughing so hard at the movie. He was <laughs> laughing that hard. And to see how hard my grandfather and my brother and my dad, everybody watched that movie, multiple generations, all laughing at the same parts of the same stuff. Yeah, I think it was the dog scene when they're trying to re- when he's trying to revive the dog. Um, and uh, and again, that, that's even a tough scene to pull off today yeah. with how much we, oh we with, with how precious now dogs rightly so are in movies. So it, it just that warms my heart. That kind of thing where you had a peak with comedy, but sometimes you just keep pushing the envelope. And I think a lot of comedy since then have tried to do it. There's something about Mary did and failed. Yeah, I just I I. Again, I got to go back to my favorite movie of all time. The fact that we'll never get another Jackie Chan in a bar talking about what's up, my ninja. That'll never. (laughs) But that was literally one of the funniest things ever because obviously he doesn't get it. He was told to sure. do exactly what I right. do. Right. And he and it's it, there's no offense to it where he's trying to be crappy. He's just like, oh, I don't understand culturally. He said that's how, you know, and it just leads to a comedy of errors into an epic fight in a bar. Like, I... I hate that we can't, you know, we, we we won't necessarily find our way back to this. Maybe we will in a few years, but at least right now, there's no way you would see something like this in, in movies. In this well, it's, the, you know, it's nice to have these movies as sort of time capsules of where we were in 98 and how yeah. we progressed as society. And you can always go back to those movies and watch them. But uh, Clark, I guess I'll start with you. What, what is your overall take on on the movies, the TV shows? I mean, again, this is when Friends and, and Seinfeld was ending its run mm-hmm. in 1998. So when you look back on where maybe just the broader strokes of entertainment were in yeah. 1998, what do you think of? I see the end and beginning of a cycle, you know, mm-hmm. truly. Like, uh, the arguably, you're phasing out things like Seinfeld, Friends, and Will and Grace have a few more years. But, like, if Seinfeld is sort of the continuation, not literally, but of the of the sitcom, of Cheers, of this, and it's, it's sort of, in a way, subverting the tropes of a sitcom, right? Because that's the whole point, is you hate these people and it's a show about nothing. In the same way that Scream would Ex- kind of take the baton. Exactly. Okay. And then I'm seeing here also, you know, A Bug's Life, which is, to me, uh, one of the first Pixar movies that I remember being like, whoa. I think that was number two on top of that, right? Because it, it was right after it Toy was Story. Toy yeah. Story, yes. Bugs Life, then uh, Monsters, Inc. I right. Mean, so yeah. it's like we're, we're in this sort of, we're in this sort of, yes, it's not the first, but we're solidifying what this is. Um, and uh, and we're seeing, you know, things like, uh, like it, again, Wild Things comes out this year. I mean, that also <laughs> feels like truly in terms of style of movie, that feels like, a, like something from a before time that's kind of crossing over. So that is to me the thing that stands out here is is the end of, of 1998 and and that's probably why 1999 is so revered hmm. because we're seeing sort of the, the a, a true culmination of a change in cinema um and and pop culture. I I think I just can't shake sports right now. This is this is your championship round that you didn't quite get to the big dance, the big game. 
and then next year is when you finally like get the get the belt. Oh, this is mean? Jordan losing to the Pistons. This is losing to the Pistons <laughs> and then finally getting by the bad boys and, and getting the title. Like this, 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 you're exactly right. This is the setup for that full success because you're even looking at near the end of just straight Disney animation. Uh, as is, you still get a few, but like Mulan, one yes. of the last great classics of that Disney animation style before yeah, they really right. lean into Pixar, right? And, we, and the the Prince of Egypt, which was not Disney, mm-hmm. but it was still like like straight it, animation, but it just it, it was the Bugs the Bugs Life and mm-hmm. Ants sort sort of got the the lion's share of the of the the excitement for where animated films could go mm-hmm. back in 1998. And then 99, you also had that that's that easy juxtaposition in 99 where it's like the Phantom Menace. And it costs so much money, and we put so much into this. And then you also have the Blair Witch Project, which was like, you know, made we paid for five dollars, uh-huh. right? And and everybody thought that movie was like real for like the first week, and we're like, what? What are we watching? It's, it's not real. It's oh just, boy, I was gonna say we last week we talked about Keanu Reeves movies, and we talked about the replacements, which is two thousand. Uh, and when I was watching rewatching that movie, and there's the dance sequence, which we also talked about last week, I thought of there's something about Mary because the mm. credits is the sing along, and so yes. and I there were a handful of things that I was like, oh, and you know we, we the the knockoff thing of like, oh, this was super, this was very popular and successful. In, in something here, and then we see it repeated over and over again. And actually, now that I'm looking at this list, I can see those influences. But yeah, that's so funny. That like actually stood out to me when I was rewatching The Replacements. Every time I hear Build You Up Buttercup by the Foundations, yep. I still think of the end credits of There's Something About Mary. Um, also, a couple great uh, rom-com, romantic, sla- you know, slanted movies. How Stella Got Her Groove Back came out that summer. Dude. And Angela. then you have the uh, You've Got Mail. Which ironically might be I the movie that, that stands movie. the test of time the most, along with how Stella got her groove back, just because yeah. we can always fall in love with somebody, regardless of whether it's the very early days of AOL. You also you had the big bookstore coming in, taken away the mom and pop bookstore, and you've got so mail. Much. It just it, it, again, it's a great movie for no other reason because Meg Ryan and Greg Kinnear have the single most amicable breakup that I've ever seen on screen because they just show up to a bar and they're just talking. They're like, yeah, is it not working for you? Not working for me. All right. Well, Hey, fist bump. We gave it a good run. I broke it up with people like in real life that nicely, but I've never seen it on screen that well. It so was, it it's was something to aspire to. Dude, I, you got mail from me. This is, this is peak. Um, Dave Chappelle as like the black best friend that like loves just dropping little little jokes here and there and yeah, giving a little push. Great service in that movie because because you had that you had him in Robin Hood Men in Tights previously as Achu. You know, and like you. yeah, it's such yeah. An <laughs> underrated gag of that movie that he's got. He's got. I think he's got Reebok pumps, yep, and yep. his hold like on, feather cap on. is a backwards hat. Yep, oh my gosh. it's just and so his, good. Yeah. I am Achu. Uh, yeah. And his father is a sneeze. A sneeze, a sneeze. and a chew, which yeah. is a <laughs> like, It's right there. <laughs> um, I got to talk about one of the greatest directors of all time. And Spike Lee puts out He Got Game. And you bring Denzel mm. into this film with the about to be, uh, you know, Hall of Famer, uh, as he's really getting introduced to the league, Ray Allen, as Jesus Shuttlesworth. And one of the best stories that Spike has told and mm-hmm. really what that movie was able to do and really kind of bring to audiences that maybe don't know a lot of like that kind of history of how that might happen for somebody on that trajectory. And to see Ray Allen have a performance like that. Absolutely. So precocious. Who would have known that some 15 years later, he just ripped my Spurs loving heart out by hitting that (laughs) shot to the heat. I will never get over why Tim Duncan wasn't on the floor to get the rebound and secure the championship. We got our vengeance the next year. I'll I'll be fine. (laughs) 
was just going to ask, is he got game the reunion of Spike Lee and Mal- and uh, after Malcolm X and Denzel so. after that's so that's a huge moment, mm-hmm. right? To to have them coming back together on screen. Mm-hmm. If that's that's yeah, it's a big year. It was a good year for cinema, obviously a great year for Rotten Tomatoes because they were born. We <laughs> were it was our impetus on August 18th. And now we have Rotten Tomatoes. We got the books like uh, the Rotten movies we love and Rotten Tomatoes, the card game. It's a really fun game to play. It's a good uh, drinking game. It's a good game to play with your family. There's a lot of different al- like alleys and, and alleyways you can take with the Rotten Tomatoes card game. So check that out. Can't get out of here and go to Mailbag before I remind everybody that there were actual Christmas movies that came out in 1998. <laughs> such as, oh, okay, well, Clark's family's going to watch this this year. Bride of Chucky came out oh, in 1998. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course yeah, yeah, yeah. For Winston, don't yes, worry, the yes. Jonathan Taylor Thomas classic, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Yo, that's a banger! Look, I'm right here, I'm looking right here now. This is one of the greatest family movies, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. And it's one of the things that actually helped me and my girlfriend really get as close as we are now is, is her insane love for for JTT and uh, me for different reasons, but that man is America's sweetheart, or he was for at least five or six years. So sorry, that, that movie's is, so good. That is how you know that that takes me back to a time and place because the fact that I this was when I kind of grew out of Jonathan Taylor Thomas because I did not see I'll Be Home for Christmas, but when Tom and Huck came out just a few short years so earlier, good. you know I was there front. You had you had a JTT calendar. Oh, I right? had, did I? <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas, because it was Jessica, him and Jessica Biel. Biel. That's why I remember in that it's movie. Because I was like, "That's my dog." And Jessica Biel, uh, like, Lumberg himself, Gary Cole, great mm. comedic actor, pops in, and the tomato meter says, "Oh, twenty-three percent." twenty-three percent, forty-one percent with the audience, which includes Winston and his incredible. Well, let's girlfriend. just we'll come back. We'll do Rotten Tomatoes is wrong for Christmas movies, and you can do I'll Be Home for Absolutely. Christmas. I'll do The Conjuring too, <laughs> and. We've got the show all planned. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Friday after next is rotten, and so I'm going to staunchly defend that. That will be that will this will be my runner up for sure. But I gotta, and we have all these talking points again. Thanks to Sen Duong and his idea to make this thing (laughs) called Rotten Tomatoes way back in 1998. It's just so wonderful having Clark and Winston back. Uh, Clark, we got the big movie that you're starring in, Malum, coming out in theaters nationwide tomorrow, so people can grab their tickets and go see it wherever you are in the country go check out Malum. Please do. If you're if you're interested in supporting, you know, independent cinema, it it really makes a difference if you go see this one in the theater because it's actually getting a theatrical run. So, uh it, it was made with a lot of love despite how scary this movie is. It's very scary. And Winston probably running to the lobby within 15 <laughs> minutes with Clark's dad. So, uh when we can't catch you in a horror movie, where can we catch you? What you up to? Absolutely. You can find me all over the internet at the Swaggy Blurred uh Go check out my YouTube channel. I uh, got a lot of great reviews over there. Got my, uh, I forgot to mention this last week, my Watch the Throne uh, Bel Air review podcast. We dive into the episodes, but a lot of the uh, discussion of like the storylines that they're presenting and you know what that means to the black community and things like that. So definitely check that out. See me on Capes and Cows over with Christian Harloff. Uh, and that's pretty much it right now. Y'all got any TV you're watching that you're excited about? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Ladies yeah, first. Very in- energetically. <laughs> party down. Yeah. It, oh, oh, you found Party Down. Oh, Welcome. Well, no, the new episode. Wait, wait, what? Oh, it's back. Wait, yeah, it's back. what? It's back. There's billboards all over Season town. Season three. This is why I am telling people because no one knows. <laughs> and y'all, this new episodes, most of the cast, Lizzie Kaplan's the only one who's not back uh, because she was shooting something else. Y'all, it is so, if you were a fan of the original series, 
this is just the perfect show to uh, the perfect cast to usher back into a revival. Uh, it's funnier. It's as funny as ever. Same with South Park. South Park's also back. And well, I am yeah, just South as my little right comedy nuggets that I enjoy every Saturday. Anything with Ken Marino in it, I'm going to watch. Ugh. So party down on the list. Winston, you counter with what? Uh, I mean, there's there's obviously all of the, the main staples that everybody's talking about. So the White Lotuses, The Last of Us, Severance, all that. I'm going to give you a nugget that you maybe aren't paying enough attention to, and that's Shrinking. On Apple TV Plus. Oh yeah, Harrison Ford, Jason hey. Siegel, uh, uh, Jessica Williams, my uh, my uh, Groundlings teacher. She's killing it with her oh, recurring good. guest star. But it is so good, and it genuinely gets to. It, it reminds me a lot of what Weeds did early on, uh, where you're using dark comedy to really address grief and how that affects yourself, how it affects your family, how it can affect parenting or being raised by someone that is going through the similar grief that you are, it is so well done and I cannot speak higher of it. And it also has, um, oh my goodness, uh, Brett Goldstein, who's uh, Roy Kent in Ted Lasso. He's one of the executive producers on the show as well. So you're getting a lot of heartfelt uh, energy into that show. There you go, my buddy, comedian Matt Knudsen, also in Shrinking. So check that out on Apple TV. And as for me, I'm just here to stump for Rotten Tomatoes and their 25th birthday. Unlike me, they actually celebrate it. You can pick up the Rotten Tomatoes card game, fun with your family, with your friends, with your drinking buddies, as Winston, the Vanna to my Pat Sajak, ah. is modeling it so well in Clark with the dead-on studio audience reactions. As we say goodnight here for Jacqueline Coley, I am Mark Ellis and the whole gang here at Rotten Tomatoes and RottenTomatoes.com. Thank you, and we'll continue to enjoy the birthday celebration all the live long year. Happy 25th, Rotten Tomatoes. 